0: You know, what must I do to be saved? And he says, give all your possessions to the poor and come follow me, and and he can't do it. And there's some other people who really struggle. I mean, you see these conversations with the Pharisees and Jesus where these deeper heart kingdom issues are, you know, it's, it's almost like there's not breakthrough in some spiritual deeper issues as much as there is breakthrough for Jesus in the healing realm. So I started really asking questions, and, you know, you go through these questions like, well, we, we know these people who really prayed for healing and they didn't get it. And it's incredibly disappointing. You walk beside your best friend, Michael and Jenna, with grace and there's healing that they see. And then there's not healing, not total healing that they've seen. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this plenty of times in here, especially following Michael. Um, but this portion of scripture is so interesting because everyone gets healed of something that's pretty impossible to heal. So let's read it. It's Luke 17:11 through 19, and why don't you guys just stand, and we'll read it together. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. You guys can sit down. Uh, I used to be terrified to speak. I was that girl in first grade who was like so shy. I didn't really want anyone to look at me or talk to me on the first day of school. just wanted to go sit in my seat and be there. Um, and I look back at my life and see how the Lord has like gently spoken to me throughout my whole life, you know, in little ways. And, and I also look back from the time I was a baby. I got, I got really, really sick when I was a baby. I I don't know how old was I like four or six months old. And my parents were actually out of town. The one time they left me as a baby and I was with my aunt and I was in the hospital and they said, don't call Mike and Lil, because she'll either die or she'll be fine. And so I didn't die, and I was fine. Um, I can remember being six years old and having terrible nightmares, like terrible. Um, This one reoccurring one that is something I pray my children would never experience, but just gruesome nightmare. And I I remember I'd wake up crying every time, and my mom came in one night and said, um, well, let's just pray about this and ask Jesus to, to never let you have a nightmare again. And we uh, prayed about it, and I have never had a nightmare again since I was six. I've had weird dreams. I've had disturbing dreams even, I would say, but never a nightmare. I mean, I've never woken up with this, like, terror that I did. Um, fast forwarding a little bit to when I started asking these questions about healing and this was in, in uh, college. I had a friend who uh, used to tell me stories. She was a young life leader. And she used to tell me these stories about her college friends and how they would all get together and just go out and pray for the sick. Like they would find people on the street and pray for them. And I thought, it's a little much. Um, but she, she, lo- she loved telling me these stories. But she didn't, she didn't really do that in young life a ton. They, they were, you know, young life's an amazing. Ministry that's so similar to rabbi and, and follower, um, where you're living life together, you're coming up alongside, and you're not um, preaching at people as much as you're walking with them. And she was really into that. But she had also, we'd had some conversations where I'd said, I feel like I've missed a chunk of scripture because I know that when I read this, Jesus healed everyone. He delivered people of demons, and he, he also raised the dead. Lazarus, um, and another, and then in the Great Commission he says, "Go, heal the sick, free the demonized, um, and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand." It's part of the Great Commission. It's not in Matthew, but if you look at all of them, and so I remember just being really like torn by this question of like, I don't know anyone who does that. Did it stop? And I'd definitely been taught that that kind of stopped with the apostles. So this this woman, one day I just went up to her and said, "Um, will you pray for me? Will you just pray that, you know, if this is still stuff that God does, I want to be open to that. And I want to know about it. And I want to be filled with his Holy Spirit in that way. So she prayed for me. And she was at a rough point in her life. And she actually said, Casey, I don't even know if I believe in that anymore, but I'll I'll pray for you. I was like, great, just pray for me. Um, And she did. And as she did, she started to weep. And she started to just say, I just have this picture in my head of you on a journey. And God's holding your hands and you're climbing a mountain and you're just on a beautiful journey with him and you need to trust him and go with him. And there, there was more to it. But I'd never had someone pray over me like that. And it just touched me in such a deep way. Um, it, it set something free inside of me that wasn't so sure that God would actually speak to me in a way that, um, was near. I mean, I believed scripture that he's near to us. He'll never leave us. Nothing can separate us from his love, but I believed it up here. And I think deep down here, I was kind of like, is this even real? There's a lot of questions that maybe I was afraid to ask that was coming out in the whole healing questions, um, that kind of came up. And, and so that was such a sweet, sweet moment. I'm going to keep going with, like, kind of my journey with these questions of healing. And I definitely want to say I certainly do not have all the answers. I have my story, which is just mine. And we all have that. And, and I think something that's I love about the Internet and about being able to, like, listen to other people around the world through the Internet, listen to sermons, whatever, is it gives you this bigger perspective of I have my journey and I've experienced what I've experienced. But what, I, what I've experienced doesn't... Prove That something else can't happen because other people are experiencing huge things. You know, I started reading about people like Heidi Baker and Mozambique, who's seen over a hundred people raised from the dead, who's seen thousands and thousands of people who can't see, get vision, who can't hear, hear, who, you know, have broken bones put back together right in front of their eyes. And that's so cool because I think sometimes, especially when we're approaching the text, we read about Jesus healing so much. We, like, lose the power that he really did these things instantly. Um, okay. Let's look at the, the text a little bit closer. Okay, if you look at Numbers 5, don't do it now, but if you go home and look at it, it's where um, the law says that anyone who gets a skin boil needs to go to the priest and have it looked at. And then he'll tell you what to do, he'll tell you how to wash, and he'll say, come back and let me look at it again. And so it'll, you know, so say you, you know, you're walking along and all of a sudden you realize you've got a couple of little lumps on you. So you go to the priest and he says, okay, wash with this thing, come back. And um, it doesn't get better. It actually gets a lot worse and it starts covering your whole body. So you go back and he officially declares that you're unclean. So to be unclean in scripture, I think I really misunderstood this for a while. I thought, like, if you followed every letter of the law, you were clean. If you did that really good and you looked like a really religious, faithful, God-fearing Jew, you were clean all the time. And then there were the unclean non-believers or non-followers. And it's not like that. Everybody was unclean. You know, when women were on their menstrual cycle, they were. It wasn't really such a mark. It wasn't. It was everybody did. If you... um, you know, came in contact with some type of um, sickness, or if you even a husband were around a woman at a certain time of the month, or if you did certain things, you would be unclean. So you would go and wash and present yourself to the priest, and then you would be clean again and able to go and join in the the worship in the synagogue. So I mean, it's not like the lepers had never experienced going to the priest. They they're faithful. They love God. They're they're used to doing this kind of. I need to be clean again so that I can come and be part of the community activities. But imagine that you're all of a sudden you start having something where it starts to sink in in your head that you're, you're completely unclean and there's no way to get clean unless you're healed from this awful skin disease. So Jesus comes upon this community where there's 10 of them. And we know that one of them, at least, maybe more, is a Samaritan which you know is kind of the enemy to the Jew. You know, they're kind of like the ones who are, who are often seen as, you know, just the other completely. Um, but what's kind of neat about this is it's almost like uh, the leprosy has probably brought these people together, that they have a common issue that sets them apart from the rest of the communities – um, but also, in in this region where of Samaria, or of the border of Samaria and Galilee, it's very likely that many of the Samaritans actually did participate in Jewish things, and they would have practiced the faith of the Jews. They would have followed them. Um, so, they, so this Samaritan probably was very familiar with the procedures that the other Jews would have gone through. So... Um, he enters the village, and there's 10 lepers who stood at a distance, and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There's a couple of things I want to point out about that. Um, one, I think it's easier to cry out in community because I imagine that if I had leprosy, I probably would have gone through, I mean, very naturally would have gone through a season of um, hopelessness, feeling like. My whole life just changed, and I have no control over it, out of control. Probably pretty cynical about my faith that I can't even really participate that well in anymore. Um, and, and probably pretty alone. But they found each other. There's this community of lepers, and they cry out for mercy. And I think that's a common thing for, for, for humanity is that when we're in pain, it gets a little easier to cry out for mercy it gets a little easier to see someone who just might be able to heal me and say i need you heal me um whereas when everything's going well you know sometimes it's easier to be like oh this guy's interesting and he has some good ideas and i've heard he heals the sick um maybe he's the messiah or maybe he's just a great rabbi a great teacher but when you're in pain it's much easier to cry out and i think we've all been in those places whether it's here in this place whether it's at home. At night, on your knees, saying, God, I need you to come. So that's what happens. And um, a kind of unique thing about this miracle is that Jesus doesn't touch him like he does another leper. He just speaks, and he gives instruction. He says, go show yourself to the priest. So this is not a random or arbitrary thing. If you look at Leviticus 14, this is probably what what they would have known they needed to do if they were healed. But he doesn't actually heal him. He says, go to the priest. So in Leviticus 14, I think um, Jill has it on the screen. I'm just going to read the first little bit about what you do if you're a leper who is healed, what you have to go through. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, the following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest to examine them at a place outside the camp. If the priest finds that someone has been healed of a serious skin disease, he will perform a purification ceremony using two live birds. I'm going to skip ahead. He uses all these intricate things, and I'm sure they have good meaning that I'm not sure about. Um, And then it says the person being purified must then wash their clothes, shave off their hair, bathe themselves in water. Then they'll be ceremonially clean and may return to the camp. However, they must remain outside their tent for seven days. On the seventh day, they must again shave all their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves in the water. On the eighth day, each person being purified must bring two male lambs and a one-year-old female. Okay, so you get the point. This is like a week-long process to be declared clean and healed by the priest. So what do the lepers do? One of them, oh, as excuse me, okay. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So it's kind of this cool thing um, where, and I think this is often the case with Jesus. I know Will preached about it a few weeks ago. But often when he's healing people, he's giving instruction, something they do, some sort of action. So he says go. They're not even clean yet. And they're going to the priest again. They've already been declared, who knows how many years ago, unclean by the priest. And they're going to him, not healed yet, to see if they would be clean. And I I just want to, like commend all of their faith in a way for doing this because you imagine that they've got like these mixed emotions of like, we're not even healed yet. Are you going to, are you going to touch us? Are you going to heal us? Um, and, and maybe some of them are like, who is this guy? Maybe like three of them wanted to cry out and not all of them did. And on their way, they're healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. So the Samaritan, though he may have been very much participating in communal life as a Jew, um, to me he's probably the one that didn't come with quite as much, um, and I don't want to say baggage in a bad way, but maybe quite as much um, entrenchment in tradition. He didn't come, maybe he didn't know, even about Leviticus 14 and the, the week-long waiting period to actually be declared healed by the priest. And at first glance, when you look at this, you think, yeah, where were those other guys? They, they probably, you know, they just didn't come back. They just went home to their families. But I think Jesus knew exactly where they were. I think, I think he may even, as we read further down, when he says, uh, has no one returned to give God glory except this foreigner I think it may even be, and this is just my idea, uh, but it's it's possible he was kind of tongue-in-cheek cheek about this because he's a Jew. He knows exactly where they are. He knows exactly what they're doing. And this one Samaritan, if you think about it, is actually going against what Jesus himself said. Because he said to go show yourself to the priest and get cleaned, like wait for that from the priest. And he almost... It's like he he disregards Jesus' instruction even. He disregards tradition and he runs back to say thank you, to lay himself out at Jesus' feet and to give glory to God. Um, There is a teaching that the rabbis would teach. And I wish I knew which rabbis from what century, but I don't. I was looking for Ryan to teach it to me right before this, but he's, he wouldn't hear Hopefully I'll get it for the next service. But the idea was that kingdom comes in three ways. You can see the kingdom breaking through to earth, the peace, the love, the life of heaven breaking through here on earth in three ways. One is a display of power. Two is Acclaiming him. So, it, the, whatever the display of power is, it causes us to just throw our hands up and say, You are God. You are awesome. And the third is ascending. That, that, that whatever happened there, there's a going out and a going forth and a sharing. Um, and it's like a new freedom in that going. And that's really what you see with the Samaritan. He's like the one guy who disregards Jesus' instructions. And runs and is at a place of laying himself out at jesus feet, so so I almost wonder if if he 's the one that really gets it, that the others are like, "Gosh i hope i 'm really healed for good, because what if they 're healed and they 're thinking well i 've still got eight days for this thing to come back, or maybe they 're just stuck in this land of what if what if the priest doesn 't declare me clean? What if my family still rejects me and doesn 't want to spend time with me they 're kind of i mean I would think that they 're living in a land of Am I really healed? Is this too good to be true? Asking all these questions. And I wonder if the Samaritan actually sees the kingdom in a way that the Jews did not. I wonder if he ran, falls at his feet, gives him worship, and then Jesus says, Stand up and go. That's the third part of kingdom. Your faith has healed you. I think I identify with this a lot, in the sense of um, looking back on my life, I can see times where I felt the Holy Spirit and I didn't even know what it was. Maybe I was just sitting in a service and you kind of get that thing where you um, you might even feel nervous or you just feel peace or you feel like there's one thing that's speaking exactly to you. I uh, I think I've had that throughout my life and I didn't know. Um, and one thing that I've been really bad at is responding to it. Usually when I feel it, I sit on it. I don't, I, I, especially I think with growing up so shy as I was when I was a kid, that I really didn't want to share that with anyone. Um, but I think that our faith is one that always requires action. And it's, it's not to embarrass us. It's not to make us uncomfortable because that's not how God is. But it is to move us and change us. Um, to the Hebrew thinker, there's no such thing apart from faith. I mean, apart from action. There's no such thing as faith apart from action. Something that stays up here stays up here. And it can stay up here in a good way, like you're having a dialogue with, with the Lord. Maybe you're praying in your head. Or maybe it stays up here in a negative way. You have a negative thought or some type of addiction or something that you think endlessly on. And as long as it stays up here, you're a slave to it. But when we get it out and we share it and bring it into the light, we find freedom or we go further in that healing. And so... As, as we close, I just want to ask um, to have an extended time where the band's going to come back up. and they Yeah, go ahead and come back up. We're going to end, and I'm, we're a little bit over. I wanted to give a little more space. But I'd love to just ask you, and you don't have to show it in any way other than that you know you're showing it. But I want to ask you to ask yourself where you are. Are you at a place in your life where you're like that leper? Maybe you feel a little disenfranchised. Maybe you feel deep down like you're not not even a real follower of Yeshua. I, I say that because I think so often we come to church and we feel like we're just going through the motions. And maybe the people up there are really connected to God, but I feel distant, but I'm here. Or maybe you're at a place where you feel like the leper and that I'm really sick in this one way, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, and I need healing. And so if that's you just in your own little way, I want you to, like, raise your hand. It can be in your heart. It can be like this. You can sit like this. And I want you to cry out to mercy from God because the cool thing is that he healed all ten lepers. It doesn't matter whether the other nine got it or not. It doesn't matter whether they came back and asked for or and said yes, you are awesome. I'm going to worship God because of you. Um, it doesn't matter whether they were grateful or not. We really don't know if they were grateful and didn't come back, but but He heals them all. So you're coming to a God who heals regardless of the way that you respond, and I think you're also coming to a God who, like the Samaritan. What he wants to give is more than just a physical healing. when the Samaritan comes to Jesus, Jesus says, "Your faith has made you well. He commends his faith and so often I think what we need more than physical healing, even more than some emotional healing, is to know that he thinks we're we're full of faith that he sees us as faithful. Um, the rabbis would teach that it's a it's a It's a terrible sin, like the the great sin of the rabbi would be to teach you to follow, to teach you to follow and believe in God and not teach you that God believes in you. So you're coming to a God who responds to you when you cry out for mercy. But you may be like the, the nine Samari- the nine Jewish lepers who were cleansed, but maybe you've just gotten caught up in the what ifs, what if this, what if this, and there's a moment even recently that you can look back and say, God really moved and touched me in this moment, but I've gotten caught up in the, did this really happen? Did I even hear his voice? Um, and I just want to encourage you in your own way to run to his feet and thank him. Start at a place of, thank you for doing this in my life. That's such a good place to start when you come to him. And um, the last thing is, you may be just in a place where you literally do need healing for your bodies. And if you do, I'd love for you to come up. And any, anyone's welcome to come up at the end or just welcome to pray in your seat. But if you need physical healing, we would love to pray for you. Because this is a series on physical healing and emotional healing. And if you... If that's something that you want, we would love to pray for you. The The options are that you stay the same, you get a little better, or you get totally healed. And I think they're all decent options. So I'm going to just pray. And I'm, as the band plays, respond to the Lord like the one. Find one way to, to lay yourself at his feet and listen for his voice. Father, we thank you so much.